0: Welcome to The Loft Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message and that it ignites in you a hunger for more of God's presence in your life. Oh, man. I tell you, I I really don't want to break the presence. So I'm going to do announcements and offering. We'll do that towards the end. Um, Oh, Jesus. It's crazy because Michaela, I don't really... I don't know if you guys know I, I don't we don't like call the worship team and say here's what we want you guys to do and blah 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 and I'm gonna sit down with you guys because if I, I, I feel really weak in my knees. <clears throat> okay. This is odd for me. I usually don't do this. I'm usually walking all over the place, but my knees are really weak right now and uh, my heart is really tender. So um, on the way in, we don't, we just, you know, whatever the Lord lays on the worship team, and on the way in to church tonight, I was in the car, and that song came on, I just want you nothing else, and it gets me every time. And uh, it was like, all I wanted to do was <laughs> stay in my car, and, you know, I was on my way to church, and I'm like, oh, I just want to, like, be with Jesus tonight, you know, and and then that song came on, and I felt His presence in here, and you could just feel it growing stronger. I really felt like the Lord say, that's really what He wants, is He wants us to want Him. And when we gather like this corporately, I, I don't know, I, I've been guilty, and I know all, all of us have been guilty at times of, of what does church look like, how do we have church, how do we... or you know, I come with all these needs that I that I I need and and I think we're in this season of church is really at least this this what we're going into right now is about him and what does he want? And do we just want him? And it's almost like what I was feeling in worship tonight was this intense jealousy from God for us. I don't know how to explain it, except when we started to really worship and and press in, I just sensed this intense jealousy from his heart. I want you. I want you. And I feel like, with everything that's been going on, and even before with just the American church, and I'm not ditching the American church. Here's the deal whether we like it or not, the church is the vehicle God moves through, it's his bride. It's his bride. He's not going to move through any other vehicle except the church to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. That's how he moves. That's how he's always moved. But I felt in my spirit that the lack of power in the church that we've experienced the last past few years, however many that is, is because of the lack of the church pursuing the presence of Jesus. Some churches have the four songs and the announcements and the message and it's every Sunday. And it's like the Holy Spirit's there, but He's not allowed to get off the front row. And tonight I just sensed in my in my heart, it was like, and it takes a while, you guys. You come to church, or you, we gather. I don't really want to say come to church. We come to a building because we are the church. So we come to a building, we worship together. And I don't know about you, but it takes, I got to like get clear my mind. It's like, you know, all this. And then finally, when I just, I'm going to let it all go and I'm just going to focus on him. That's when it's like I start to sense some things break. And then it's kind of like I just don't care anymore. And I think where I'm at and where we are in this journey as a church, the loft is we've, you know, one by one, the loft. We've gone through a lot. This church has gone through a lot. Sometimes it's felt like we've wandered through the desert as the children of Israel. But I really, you know, I really believe that, that the purpose is because for too long, the church has had their own agenda. And it's not that it's been bad, it's accomplished things, but when you think of the church, there's been programs, there's, I'm talking big church, there's been all these things that have happened But we're at a point where I think Father's coming back to simplicity of, do you just want me? Because if you just want me and I show up, I can get done in five minutes what the church tries to do in 50 years. Right? But it means, are we willing to go where no man has gone before, and even if we don't know what it looks like, and what if, what if we made the number one thing we determine is our Vision, mission as a church, the number one is to pursue his presence. What if that was the number one? And then the Lord shows us what else, but what if it was just like tonight? I don't care about anything else but you. Because there was a moment tonight where I felt like we were going to experience an Azusa outpouring, it's, it was that close. And it's not just going to be us, it's going to be many churches that are about ready to experience some breakthrough. So the crazy thing is tonight, the word is that the Lord had for me this week was broken before the breakthrough. And a lot of times people give up right before the breakthrough because we're weary or we're tired or we're angry or we're frustrated or whatever, you fill in the blank. But what if the Lord just wants us to get broken? What do I mean by broken? Broken. Because some of us are like, well, I've been broken. When I use the word broken here, I'm talking about completely empty, completely humble, completely I can't do anything. I don't know what to do. Because for too long, it's like we've tried to plan our way out of things or work our way out or figure it out. But what if we just made our goal to completely be honest with God and say, I don't know what to do, but I just know I want you and it will be hard because the natural is I got to go fix. I got to do something. I got especially if you're, your personality is to get the job done, get her done. It's going to be hard to just say, I don't know what to do. But I know that I need to be in his presence. And I think a good picture is Mary and Martha in the Bible. Martha's making sandwiches for Jesus, and Mary's at his feet. And she gets mad because Mary's supposed to be up helping. And Jesus said, Mary has chosen the better thing to do. And the, and the crazy thing was, I don't know if Jesus asked Martha for a sandwich. Martha's like, oh, he's in the house, let's get everything. And she's busy, 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 and Mary's like, oh, you're at his feet. So what if we just determine, I don't know if I want to make sandwiches anymore. I just want to be at his feet. What if Saturday nights, if our focus when we come is not building a church, but pursuing his presence? And let him build the church, whatever that looks like. But I got to tell you guys, you got to be prepared for sacrifice because today, we're just going to be transparent today and and I'm going to share with you what God's laid on my heart. But there's going to be some sacrifices because I'll be honest with you, we didn't choose Saturday night. When COVID hit, this was our only option because this is the building that became available. But Saturdays are sacrificial for a lot of people because it's like, man, that's my day to get things done and yada, yada, yada. And and I'm thinking, but to to come on a Saturday night, it's going to require sacrifice because I might have to stop what I'm working on because I'm going to go pursue his presence with a bunch of people that are on fire to pursue his presence, right? And it's like, what happens if we all have that kind of a mindset? Okay, this is going to wait. The sandwiches are going to wait because the sandwiches and the peanut butter and the mayonnaise is going to be there. But I'm going to go pursue his presence. And what if some of the sacrifices are I'm going to come and and God's going to require me to do some things that I've never done before that cause me to be uncomfortable because it's how he's going to break you, how he's going to break me. And so there's a, there, is, there is a brokenness that is going on right now. And so when, when I'm in this place and there's transition and I sense it in the air, just in our country, there's just, it's been, COVID has just been the vehicle that um, God didn't send it, but God's allowed it to, we've heard a lot being said about it, but it's to bring transition so there's a man that speaks into my life that I lean on. His name, you, many of you have met him, is Stephen List and Lorraine, and he's a voice to our church, and he calls me. He's so funny. He knows when something's up. He called me three times last week and left messages, been thinking about you, been praying about you, and I love you, and, and I finally got around to calling him, and, and he just ministered to me and, and read my mail. He's very prophetic, and many of you don't know his story, but I don't have time to tell you, but he's not new to the block. He's he has an anointing man. He's he's he led the president of Costa Rica to the Lord. He led the president of Fiji to the Lord. Um, Right now he has an invitation to Colombia. Colombia is having unrest and the mayor of Bogota is is calling on him and he'll probably get to the president of Colombia eventually. That's what he does. Um, he was with Jimmy Swaggart when he fell and uh, ministered to him and became Jimmy Swaggart's mentor. So the man has been around. He knows. So I asked him, I said, what's going on, Dr. List? I said, can you just, what are you seeing as you travel all around the nation? And because said, here's what I'm feeling as a leader and a pastor. And I got to tell you, man, it, for those of you that don't hang with pastors, there's a lot of discouraged pastors. There's even some that are suicidal met with one about four months ago to pray with him and and mentor and counsel him out of stuff that was going on in his heart. Because, and it's a good place, but it's a hard place. Pastors and leaders, I mean, look at our nation. The leaders don't even know what to do, right? They're trying, and some of it's not working. Because God has got us at a place where it can't be in the natural or from us anymore. It has to be a direct line from Him. So the only thing to do is pursue His presence, because I looked through the Bible and that's what they did. We don't know what to do. We're just going to stand and pursue His presence. So I asked, I asked Dr. List. I said, "What's going on?" He said, "The Lord gave me a word for America and and he, he in possibly the world because this is a world pan- pandemic. He said the church is in dry dock." And I went dry dock. He goes, yeah. God's taken the church out of the water, and she's in dry dock. And it's like He's walking all around the church. When a ship is in dry dock, it's are there anything? Is there anything that needs to be repaired? Is there anything like that? Is there a hole? Is there something? It's like you you can. It's it's time to do the work on the ship. He says, but the purpose of the ship being in dry dock is because God is changing it from a cruise ship to a to a battleship. And I preached on that. I don't know if you guys remember the message. I talked about that a while ago, because the church, in, for so long, has been a cruise ship. It's it's all about me. It's honestly, it is either about the leader or about the people or what the leader wants to do, what the people want to do. Do you guys know that the church in in Revelation, the Leo, there's seven churches churches mentioned. Most of them get a bad like reprimand from God. A couple of them don't. But do you guys know that the church that was lukewarm, do you remember the name of that church? Laodicea. Do you know what the word Laodicea means in the original language? Rule of the people. The reason the church was lukewarm is because the people were in charge. That's the American church to some degree. So we're in dry dock because we're no we're not going to be a cruise ship and there's people, man, frantically either not Gathering corporately or frantically looking for a church that will be a cruise ship. I just want my all I can eat buffet. When is bingo? Right? Now I'm being facetious, but honestly, it's when is when is the activity gonna happen? And and I was a part of a large church one time where they had they they Bragged about 66 need meeting ministries. But what is a battleship? A battleship has a mission, right? It's, 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 it's meant for war. And when there's a battleship, there's a siren that goes off, or whatever. And everybody goes to their, they've got a station. They know where to go. We're ready. It's equipped, it's equipped to do war to help free a nation or keep a nation free. So if we're moving from a cruise ship, it's no longer about us. It is about him. It's about the captain, and it's about where he's called us to go and what he's called us to do, which means on a cruise ship, you just can come and enjoy the buffet and eat until you are just, oh, i got to unzip my pants. That's how the American church is. We're, We're overfed and underutilized. So we're at a place where are we willing to be broken? Are we willing to be broken? And I want to talk to you a little bit about what that looks like. And here's how it happens. And uh, turn with me to Galatians. And then at the end, we're going to do the announcements, the offering. I want to honor a couple people um, in the room tonight. And then we're we're going to pray uh, for for each other. Um, so Galatians two, starting or uh, did I tell you the chapter six? I'm sorry, Galatians six, starting with verse two. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. All right. I will be honest with you. I think and this is not bash the church. I, and what I'm sharing with you is not bash the church. It's it's in order to to have healthy change. You have to look at something and go, what's not working? Where are we missing the mark? What's not working? I don't know about you, but do you guys know the definition of, in, of insanity is to to do the same thing different? or what is it do the same thing over and over again expecting different results so i really feel like that one of the things god's shaking out of the church and why we're in this dry dock is because there's been pride in the church and now we got to ask ourselves has there been pride in me in other words is it here's here's a definition of pride god will do this and i'll do this part I'll come to God when I need this or when I want this, but I'll take care of this. What? says, I don't want you to do any of that except come to me. And then I'll tell you what you're responsible for and what you're not responsible for. So according to this, it says, if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. And there's been a lot of pride in the church. There's been a lot of pride in, in pastors and in in prophets, and you you put the fill in the blank. We've we've even created celebrities within the church. People wanting to be more like the most powerful worship leader than Jesus. And there's nothing wrong in appreciating people who are anointed and gifted, but there's there's been a level of pride in the church that that has kept people from. Jesus, I just want you, nothing else. So we're in dry dock. So it says, but let each, verse 4, one examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For each one shall bear his own load. So there's two things. There's burdens and there's loads here. And I want to explain both of them, because in order to be broken, you have to recognize the difference between the burden and the load, because God is not going to take a load away from you that you are meant to carry. But if there's a burden, there's a couple things we do with that that cause us to get into a funk. So here's what I think a burden is. A burden is when we're taking on too much. And it becomes too heavy or when there is a responsibility let me give you let me give you an an example of a burden God has given this body the burden of Oregon City I can't carry that alone there are burdens that we are to carry together or there's a burden of an office or a burden let's say somebody's Uh, A father is grieved for a child, and the weight of that burden is so heavy, he needs brothers to come around him and help carry that burden. Do you understand that? But to be the father and the responsibility of the father to raise that child, no one else can carry that but that daddy. Do you see the difference? You're in a job that God has assigned you to in the world, or you're going to school, or you have a sphere, an atmosphere that God has called you to. That is your responsibility, or that's your load to carry, that you're responsible for and no one else's. So there are burdens, and then there are responsibilities. And we need to know the difference, because sometimes we think brokenness Or surrender is something we're doing when really what we're trying to surrender is a responsibility instead of a burden. And so I want to, it's really important that we get this so that we can experience breakthrough in what God is doing in us individually, in us as a church. So let me give you a little bit of what a burden looks like. Burdens can't be buried. In other words, you can't hide a burden. I've tried that. I just tried it a couple weeks ago. Do you know what happens when you try to hide a burden? You just kind of bury it. And, and, there's, and usually what happens is where burdens are birthed is when the overload, it, usually it's stress, and it gets heavier and more and more, and the weight gets heavier and heavier. And then all of a sudden, we start to hear, the enemy comes in and he sees the burdens and the stress that you're under. It just life has stress. And the enemy lies and he, and he gets into your head, and all of a sudden you start to bury these things. Well, if people know that I'm carrying this, or they know I don't know what I'm doing, or I can't figure, or all these lies, he, he lies. And, so we start to bury it. And guess what happens? Do you know why you can't bury burdens? They become visible in how we respond relationally. What's wrong with you? We either say the wrong thing at the right time, or the wrong thing at the wrong time, we get angry. We're moody. I'll be honest. In marriage, most of the fights or the arguments I've had with Shelly are because I'm carrying something that has nothing to do with what she did. It's something else that happened that I'm just... Right? It's a burden that I've buried. How do I get broken so I can have breakthrough. Because there, there is something that will happen that the burden becomes bondage. And then we need a quick fix. That's why people go to porn or drugs or alcohol. Because <gasps> it brings temporary relief, but not deliverance. Because when the burden happens again, we just go back to that cycle. And then there are those good bondages. Like, I work too much. We think, well, that's healthy. No, that's not healthy. There's those bondages that we have, the burdens that, that we, we justify because we think it's good. Do you know how many pastors have carried the burden of ministry and, it's, and ministry has become a bondage because it's become more important than their own family? Well, it looks good. We love the old revivalists, but there's some sad stories with some of them. John G. Lake, one of the greatest revivalists of all time, lost every one of his kids. None of them walked with Jesus. There's good and there's bad with some of the the stories from past mighty men and women of God that God used powerfully. But as we're in dry dock personally, because the Lord has us in dry dock too, He's walking around your ship going, is there a burden here? Do you want to surrender that so you can be broken and have breakthrough? Here's the deal. I don't want to take any burdens through my breakthrough. I don't want to have breakthrough with burdens that I'm not meant to carry. I'll have some responsibilities. I'll have some loads. Let me tell you what's coming. The reason this is so important, if indeed... Dr. List is right, and we're going to war, you people and me, we're going to be busier than we've ever been been in the kingdom of God. There are prophecies out there that have yet to come about, about what's coming. And I can feel it in the atmosphere, it's increasing. But God doesn't want burnt-out, broken, over-busy, over, busy, over tired believers, burdened, heavy, that won't be able to make it through the breakthrough and sustain themselves through the breakthrough. So the Lord is doing some powerful things in our life to get us to a point of surrender. And here's what I think part of that is and what we as a church believe is a very high culture in our body. And this is what I want to—I kind of want to end with, and then we're going to practice this. I am a relational guy. I've always been a relational guy. That's just how I'm wired. Some people get hit physically in their bodies. Some people get hit emotionally. I tend to take hits emotionally. I respond, sometimes react emotionally because I'm wired relationally. And I've just come to understand it's not a weakness, it's who I am. And it's crazy tonight on the way to church, the Lord, sometimes, I'm going to be transparent again, the load that I carry isn't because it's a lot of work in ministry. um, We have amazing life group pastors here that carry a lot of load. So when you're a leader in in the office that you carry, it doesn't matter the size of your church. Like some people think, oh man, a pastor of 7,000, man, he must have a huge Stress load. Stress is different, but the responsibility is the spiritual office God gives you, and it's hard to describe because I'll give you an example. Like, if you work a, a nine to five job, most people after five go home, eat dinner, watch TV, and they leave the job until nine. People who have an office... Don't ever do that because you can get a call at 1 o'clock in the morning that's a crisis or people are on your heart. It's a different kind of responsibility that can become a burden. So on my way here, the Lord said, here's what I want you to do from here on out. I want you to pursue my presence, and I want you to go to church every Saturday night to love on people. How fun is that for a relational person? I get to hug and kiss Nini, who's, by the way, uh, Matt and Nene are going to be parents. I don't know if you guys know that. I'm so excited for that baby. Oh, man. It's going to have kisses all over. So here, here, here's where I want to get to. So we carry this, this, these burdens that, remember what we will carry a load, and even when we carry a load, we can have people pray for us, but, but God is a relational God. Genesis 1.26, listen to this. Then God said, let us, who's he talking to? Jesus, the Trinity. Let us, and I can, when, when I read this, I want you to, okay, let me, I, the only way I can do this, to get this picture accurately when I read this, I want you to feel this emotionally, all right? Tell me how you guys feel about this baby. How do you feel about this baby? Oh my God, I'm so excited. (laughs) What's Matt doing to this baby? He's talking to it every night. You can't even hear him yet. (laughs) So he's talking to the belly. (laughs) So they're creating a baby. So I want you to get that same picture when we read this. Let us make man in our image after our own likeness, and let them have dominion. Let's give them responsibility over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over the earth and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Let's make them in our image and let's give them a job and give them the authority to do the job. And the devil comes and steals it. It says God's holding something. He's withholding something from you. He doesn't really love you. He'd give you everything. They believe the lie, and then they lose dominion. And then Jesus says, I'm going to give it back to you. And he comes, and he gives us back dominion. He gives us back relationship with the Father. Because you know what? Powerful people said Jesus came and did that. Jesus was sitting there next to the Father when he said, let us make them. So it wasn't just God sending Jesus. It was Jesus saying, I'm going to go because that's, that's not how we made them. Genesis 3.8 says, and they heard the sound of the Lord God, Adam and Eve, walking in the cool garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Do you know why they hid themselves? Because they now had a burden. They had a load, but now they have a burden that was too great to bear. So when we carry a burden or we bury a burden, the first thing people start to do is they isolate, they withdraw, and they hide. (sighs) Do you know why I know that? Because I do that. Can I tell you that the very thing that you are responsible for, anointed for, and gifted for... Is the very area the enemy will hit you the hardest. Do you know why they hid and why we isolate? Because fear for the very first time entered into the garden and it impacted their relationship with God. And eventually it impacted their relationship with others. Fear affects relationships by causing us to isolate, insulate, and hesitate. Fear in relationships will cause us to isolate, insulate, or hesitate, or all three. Let me give you an example. Isolate. I begin to withdraw. And here's the reason why we do this, because where the fear lies is there's two, two, two questions that fear produces, that if we, don't, if we don't get broken before God and carry the burden that we're not meant to carry, and it just grows. The fear is, rejection is the weapon of the fear, because what happens is we're afraid of what people will think about us or how they'll respond to us. Will I be significant? Will I be accepted? Will I be valued? That's really the root of it. The root of fear is what will people think? How will people think? What will they think of me? Will I be rejected? And you guys know that feeling? Maybe, maybe you never experienced this, but I was a really awkward kid. When I was born, I had to wear a brace the first two years of my life because I was severely pigeon-toed. So if you notice, even now, I sometimes will trip over nothing. And I was always the last one picked in elementary school to be on a team. Oh, I guess, well, it was like I was, I was you know, because I was so awkward just rejection. We all experience, and sometimes in our childhood, it frames that spirit of fear that causes us to feel rejected. So really the root of it, and what happened with Adam and Eve? They felt rejected by God. Oh no, we did what we weren't supposed to do, and they carried that burden. And instead of exposing the burden, they hid. So isolation gives way to vain imaginations and lies, and then we begin to believe them and I've done this multiple times, I start to believe things that aren't, are, aren't true. Growing up, the job of my stepfather was to make me tough. So if I couldn't figure out how to do something, I was weak. So anything that feels, that has fear attached to it, that makes me feel like I'm weak or I'm going to be perceived as weak, I'll isolate, or I'll, I'll hide, or I'll pick up stress. Because the enemy says if people think you're weak, they'll reject you. Or we we believe things that, that aren't necessarily completely true. They might have a partial truth. Well, you're the leader. You're the CEO of this company. You're in charge of these people. You're the one that's supposed to figure this out. And if you don't know what to do, they're going to see you as a failure. Sometimes it's even not even a company. It's as a parent. We look at our kids, and they're not where we want them to be, and we take that on as we somehow have screwed this parenting thing up, and the reason our kids are the way they are is because we screwed it up. Can I, can I, yes, we make mistakes. Every parent does, but I want to take some pressure off of you. When you parented, you parented the best you knew how to parent at the time you parented. Because we always look back on everything and went, oh, man, if I would have only. Right? So fear causes us to isolate, insulate, or hesitate. Insulate means I pull my heart away from relational connectivity. And I make up reasons why. Well, I just can't trust them. Well, they've hurt me before. I've been hurt by... I have a caution. I have a check about them. That's the spiritual one. I have a check about them. And if we really ask the Lord, is it really a check? Yes, you don't share everything with every one. But I begin to insulate. I begin to cover my heart. And sometimes even things look greener on the other side because I'm insulating from over this, these relationships and this, these over here, they look better. This is why people church hop all the time. One of the reasons. Because they've been hurt in another church, they didn't it wasn't handled right. And we just insulate and we look for the grass that's greener on the other side. Guess what? There's a septic tank buried there. Grass is never greener someplace else. It may look greener. They may be doing things better. There's always something everywhere you go. We hesitate. And this one is. And in, in this is where I think the church ha- has, a big church, big C, we quit taking risks and we become less vulnerable. We pull away instead of push through. So we insulate, we isolate, or we hesitate. So then what do we do? What's the answer? Hebrews 10.25 says this, I'm going to read it out of the Passion Translation. I want you to listen. Put your listening ears on. This is really important. This is not, this is the Passion Translation 25. This is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together as some have formed the habit of doing. In fact, we should come together even more frequently, eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate the day dawning. So what do we do Hmm. when we want to isolate, insulate, or or what was the other one I said? Hesitate. We have to learn how to express our burden that we're carrying to people we love. This is why COVID is literally killing people. Suicide rates are up. Addictions are up. Marriages are falling apart. Now, marriages are arguing because one wants the shot and the other one doesn't. The isolation, the pulling away, the social distancing. Can you guys imagine? Now I'm going to stand up because I'm getting a little agitated, and I'm going to calm down in just a second. Can you guys imagine over time if we continue down this route what we're teaching little children who have masks on standing six feet away from one another? Don't trust anybody, obey the rules, and don't get close to people. That's going to have psychological and mental effects. I'm married to a teacher, and she's already seen it in the classroom. There's a lie of the enemy, and, if that's, and that's slipping into the church. And it's slipping into the church by causing people in the church to isolate. And although I love Facebook, and I love the onlines, and I love all of that kind of stuff, it just can give people an excuse to continue to isolate. You can sit home in your underwear and have church. But you can't sit home in your underwear and be the church. You can't. Please don't come to church in your underwear and be the church. (laughs) Save us. So here's what we do. There's something about... Remember I said that what happens, the reason we isolate, hesitate, and insulate is because of fear of rejection. There's something that happens... When we take a risk, I told you, you're going to have to take a risk. You're going to have to sacrifice. Your substance can going to be sacrificed. Something happens when we determine to pursue love and not fear. I believe that the opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is fear. I think hate is a byproduct of fear. So if I'm in fear and I'm in anxiety and I'm carrying a burden, and I'm stressed, and all this stuff is happening in my body. How do I pursue love? I want to encourage you, first pursue it this way. Then you have to pursue it this way. So instead of isolation, hesitation, and insulation, what do we do? Here's what we do. We recognize and we verbalize. This isn't me. Do you guys remember what Daniel said a few weeks ago from BSSM when he was here? He said that he would go up to people. If you weren't here, there were some students from Bethel that were here, and one of the young men got very vulnerable with us, and he shared about his past in same-sex attraction. A young guy, about 25, 26, Daniel was his name. He really got raw with us, and I really appreciated him sharing his heart. So then what he did was to get victory over that, he would, when he was at school, if there was a man he was attracted to, He would verbalize to that person. He told them, they said, this is what you do. He said, I'm struggling because I'm finding myself attracted to you. And they would take him by his shoulders and look him in the eye and say, that's not who you are. This is who you are. You're a son. And everybody that he talked to, that's what they would do. He would verbalize, recognize, and verbalize. How do you do that? When you're alone this way, that's not who I am. I'm a son. I'm called to love. If you don't know what else to do, as long as you love, you're going to win. The second one is repent and release. So the, the first one is to recognize and verbalize. Repent and release. God, forgive me for thinking that way. Forgive me for carrying some things I shouldn't carry. Forgive me for not being honest with people that love me. I repent and I release, Father, things that I'm not meant to carry. The last one is reassure and rest. Reassure means what's the truth? What does God say about me? What do you say about me? Reassure is truth, rest is trust. You'll never rest if you don't trust the truth. When I went to counseling, Dr. Chris said, When people tell you something, even if you don't feel it, believe it. Because I used to say things like, Oh, you're just my wife. You're supposed to say that. No, because I'll tell you, there's things that Shelly has said too that were truth that I needed to hear. So I know she won't blow smoke in my fill in the blank. So truth is when somebody tells you something, believe what they say. This is who you are. So I want to go back to this, the Passion Translation that said this is not the time to pull away. So I believe relationships are the highest priority of heaven to God because he said everything hangs on these two things. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Everything. Because it doesn't matter how many people you heal. It doesn't matter how many people you save. It doesn't matter how much you go to church or how much of the Bible you have memorized. If you don't love Him and you don't love people, it doesn't matter. There's a whole chapter in Corinthians called the 13th chapter that talks about what love looks like. So if that's a part of our culture And that means, can we be honest and transparent with one another enough that when we're carrying a burden, we can do those things. We can come and say, do you see something in me? Do you recognize? Because I said recognize and verbalize. Are you brave enough to ask somebody that loves you, do you see something in me that I shouldn't be carrying or something I'm verbalizing or think? And let them tell you. Let them in love say yes. recognize and verbalize. And then when they tell you, say, will you pray with me? I want to give this to God. I want to repent for caring or believing something that I shouldn't. But hey, if you're home watching Jeopardy and isolating, you'll never do this. And you'll just continue to believe the lies. And then the last one is And if people love you, and and I'm going to tell you, if you don't know who to go to, here's two people to go to. Here's someone to go to. Here's two people to go to. There's two people on the front row. I could just point people out all night. There's two people to go to. Because then what's going to happen when you begin to say, I'm going to do hard things because I don't want to carry these burdens anymore, you recognize, you verbalize, you repent, you release then these people will reassure you with the truth. And then when you leave after you've been with them and the enemy comes back to lie to you, you can go, no, that's not the truth. And you can rest in the fact that people just told you the truth. And then you can go, and listen, here's what's crazy. You might have to go back to people three or four times and keep having them reassure you what the truth is until you all of a sudden it starts to sink in and you go, yeah. That's why as a church, we have to constantly, and in our life groups, and when we gather corporately, constantly communicate the truth, constantly call out the gold. Because the enemy tries to steal it or cause people to carry things they shouldn't carry, and the stress gets so heavy. And then here's the biggest lie of the enemy. You're the only one that's going through this. No. No. So, if we're truly going to be a warship and not a cruise ship, and we're truly going to remember, I said you have a load, you're supposed to be at your gun. This is the gun that you're supposed to shoot. Some of us aren't even doing our load. So, we have a load, we have a gun we're assigned to. But if I see Peggy and Steve, and I can tell, because I love them and we're a church, and I can tell that they're hurting, and I need them at the gun. Instead of "Why are you at the gun?" What if I first say, "Hey, what's going on?" Because the burden might be so heavy, they can't even fulfill the load. So, if we're truly going to be a, a battleship, we got to love each other enough to kind of help lift the burden, so they can carry the load. Because there's something so amazing when you have your people, when you have your tribe, when you know. And and, and I want to encourage you with everything that we go through as a church. it's, It's hard to see people leave. It's hard to see people come and go. Some people are released. Some people just go. But there is a tribe that God's building. Posse. Because there's something powerful about when we go through the storms or we're carrying burdens, we know we can go to one another and have those burdens lifted instead of just coming and playing church. That's called a family. And that's what I want. And I'm in this journey in this process just like you, God. Just in these last three, week, these last three weeks, if we're being vulnerable, I realized that I was carrying a burden alone that I was not supposed to carry alone and I was believing some lies that were causing me to isolate and retreat. And there was fear that if I communicate what I'm carrying, I'm going to be perceived as weak. Why would a young man who's never been to our church before get up in front of all of you and share about a same-sex relationship and trust us enough to share that? When I asked him afterwards, he says, I don't know. I felt safe here. It's in the atmosphere. We just need to steward it. Steward it in our life groups. So broken people come into your life group, and they're not broken anymore. And guess what? When they can release their burden in your life group, then they can carry their load. Shoot the gun at the enemy. I'm looking at faces of people who came here burdened. That are carrying loads and blessing the kingdom. So we're going to pray, but before we pray, speaking of carrying a load, John and Linda, come here. Aperius. yeah, you. <laughs> it's I, it, I. You had to correct me numerous times. I just um them, this might keeps, to, I need to leave the cord alone, we want you guys to go have a really good meal on us, because they carry the load, and have carried the load for a long, long time, with sound, with PowerPoint, with just anything that needs to be done, they'll do it, and I just want you to know that it has gone noticed, we see you, and we love you not because of what you do, but because of who you are and what you carry, all right? So your acceptance is never based on your performance, but we want to honor you both tonight because you're valuable to this house, not for what you do, but for who you are. So would you guys ex- go ahead and clap? Yep. Mm. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Just remain standing because we're going to extend our hands and pray for them. God, thank you for John and Linda. Thank you for the gift they are to this body. Thank you that they drive all the way from Silverton to be with us because they love this body. Thank you, Lord God, for the time that they've given to be here, to make sure we can hear, to make sure we can see words and sing along. Thank you, Lord God, that they share in the fruit of this house because their hands are at the wheel, that they're carrying the load that you've called them to carry. Bless them, I pray, exceedingly abundantly above in Jesus' name. Thank you, God. Amen. Thank you. If you were inspired by today's message, be sure to hit subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcast. For more information about The Loft or for gathering times and locations, you can check out our website at www dot the loft, dot org or find us on facebook and instagram thanks for tuning in and we hope you'll join us again next time